Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. The Go Radio Football Show with The Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, John Hartson and Stephen Cregan. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! Well, are all systems geo for new manager Van Bronckhorst and Rangers on Thursday as the Europa League crunch match against Sparta Prague at Ibrox comes around. Uh, they don't want to be suffering a double blow after their League Cup hopes went up in smoke on Sunday. Stephen Craig, and the pressure is on, isn't it? Well, they need a response. Of course, there's the comments from Conor Goldson after the game, which has got everyone talking. I think Giovanni van Bronckhurst mentioned it yesterday in his press conference about lack of hunger or players needing hunger. So all eyes will be on the new manager. All eyes will be on Rangers to see if they can bounce back. Win by two goals and suddenly the pathway forward looks a little bit smoother. That would mean European, uh, or sorry, Europa League uh, football after Christmas. Celtic have taken their place in next month's League Cup final and they've won eight and drawn one of their last nine games. They're still <laughs> four points behind in the title race. John Harson, I've asked you this regularly over the last few weeks. Is the balance of power shifting? I think it's. Uh, I think the title race is uh, still wide open. I really do. I think Celtic have got more of a chance now than what they had at the start of the season, because they've improved their form. They're a team that are playing exceptionally well. Um, players have settled in really good. I think there's another window to come in January, and there's certainly that title challenge is uh, is certainly up for grabs. And if you're talking momentum, Celtic have got it at the moment, haven't they? They've got momentum. Um, they're winning games and there is no substitute for winning games. It's a good habit to be in, even when you're not quite at your best. Still still managing to, to get over the line and to keep clean sheets. Like I spoke about at the start of the season, when we spoke about the defence, sometimes Celtic won't blitz teams two by two or three goals. They'll take the lead and then they have to defend strongly exactly what they did at the weekend against St. Johnson. It feels like a really important phase, Crags, in the season, doesn't it? Not just the game we've spoken about already on Thursday at Ibrox, but maybe this month in general uh, could have a big say in how this is going to go. It will because everyone will be wanting to see how Rangers go with a new manager to see how he settles in, to see what kind of impact he has on the team. I think you have to say there isn't dramatic changes needed. You know, they're top of the table by four points. Let's not forget that. But he will probably want to make subtle changes in the tactics, in the training, how they approach games. He might just give little pieces of information to wide players or centre-forwards and midfield players just to see how he wants to stamp his authority onto the team. But he's got to be careful he doesn't try and make wholesale changes and fill the players' heads full of too much information. That then causes confusion. So it'll be small, precise points at the moment. But he will have learned, Van Bronckhurst will have learned an awful lot at the weekend watching his Rangers team. You know, looking at their body language, 
what happened when they went under pressure, went behind, they didn't respond, the goals they conceded, the lack of creativity at times in the final third. So it'll be to see how quickly he can turn that around and get his stamp on the team because Celtic are just moving along nicely. They're coming onto their shoulders, they're ready to make a move. Any slips by Rangers, Celtic have to be ready to capitalise and it's finely poised. How shocked were you, John, by the, the quality of that Rangers performance on Sunday? Not just that they lost because Hibs on their day are a really good football team, but the manner of the defeat for Rangers. Yeah, I, I thought it was an inept performance um, by that. The start wasn't good enough. They weren't ready to play that game in the first half an hour, Rob. Hibs went 3-0 up after 38 minutes. Credit to Hibs, I thought they were excellent. Martin Boyle to score a hat-trick in the semi-final at Hamden. He will always have that up his sleeve. That memory will stay with him forever. Um, it's a wonderful achievement from him. Uh, but I thought Rangers, um, there was no fight. There wasn't no leadership out there. Um, when they got that goal back just before half-time, massive goal. All of a sudden you go in, you got that little bit more belief. You know, look, we only need another two to take it into extra time. Rather than being, you know, a long way back by it being three, Arfield got them back in it and... You're thinking then you're expecting a real push from Rangers in the second half. And they huffed and puffed, I thought, and and Hibbs held out, uh, but also carried that threat, I thought, all game, Hibbs. And I just thought it was, um, it was quite abysmal, to be honest. It was an abysmal performance in front of your new manager. You know, if I'm a player and my manager, the new manager's coming into the club and I'm thinking my manager's up there watching me. You're looking to make an impression. I want to make an impression. I want to run around. I want to score goals. I want him to think, right, he's in my, he's in my first game. He's in my, my team for the first game that I'm in charge. That's the impact you've got to go and make. Um, and Giovanni von Broncos must have been thinking, all right, we're top of the league. Uh, we're still still in the, Euro, in the Europa League qualifiers. Um, without a now, without of one cup now, he must be thinking, got a little bit of work to do with this bunch. Because sometimes, Rob, as well, when a manager leaves, when a manager leaves a football club, players seem to use that sometimes as an excuse to think, well, um, the manager's gone, so they might think, well, this might be half a chance for, for me to follow him out of the door because I was playing for that manager. Now the manager's gone the guy that I really respected and played for and worked and gave 100% for, he's gone. They've let him leave, or whichever way that he's gone. I'm sure they did everything to try and keep Steven Gerrard. But he's made the decision to go. And then players think, I, I, I might follow him. I, I might want to follow him. And to do that, they'll down tools and they won't give everything. And there was a, there was a series of that at the weekend against Hibs. Mighty and impressive from Rangers. It was Hibs against Celtic in the final. John Hartson, Stephen Craig and Rob McLean on the GOAT Radio Football Show. We've got Craig, uh, Rangers fan with us as well. Hi, Craig. Hi, uh, Rob Craig's John. How you Hi, doing? Craig. What are you thinking, Craig? Uh, well, listen, I think um, John was pretty spot on with some of the words he used to describe our performance on Sunday. Um I would say it was an utter embarrassment to the football club. I think, yet again, in a cup competition, probably the worst of the lot, we seemingly the players bottled it, um, couldn't handle the occasion. And, you know, I'm not saying this with any disrespect to any of the football clubs in this country, but we're Rangers Football Club. There isn't a team in Scotland who should be 3 nothing up against us after 36, 37 minutes. That's appalling. 
Um, and, it, you know, it comes down to the fact that some of the players clearly aren't good enough at this moment in time. You know, you look at the goals we concede and they're so put there. Schoolboy errors. A simple corner. It wasn't even a great corner. Comes into the box. Balligan fails to get it the first time. Tavernier isn't alert enough to deal with the, the you know, to deal with when it comes to him. So To be fair, Craig, I think you know, I don't think there's an awful lot Tavernier can do really. You know, because the guy in front of him misses the ball, you know, he's he's a sitting duck and basically just bounces off him. I think the first ball has to be met. You know, as a defender, mm. I don't think he's got he's got a split second to try and respond or react. The ball just hits him more than him trying to clear the ball. So I think he was a little bit unfortunate, but you agree the first header should have been met. And and, and yeah, when well, you when you look and when you look at it collectively, it was a pretty it was an appalling effort at trying to stop a corner, wasn't it? It was a decent decent whip, whipped ball in, but, it, but but there were quite a few people culpable, you would imagine, inside that six. Yeah, but do you box. know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Celtic last season, mm. losing goals from set pieces. Um, nobody really taking responsibility in their own penalty area defensively, um, and it just looked as if. You know, it was like Rangers conceded 13 goals uh, last season. And they, they were terrific defensively. Well, where's that personal responsibility to, to go and head the ball? Where's that organisation? Why aren't they all in sync? You know, and the goals they conceded last season were 13 goals. You know, and this season they've conceded more than that already. So they've got to have a good look, hard look at themselves and in, in front of your new manager as well. And it's, that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of Celtic last season at times where they were sort of chopping and changing, didn't quite know their favourite team, making changes where you could question the substitutions. Um, at times, I know that I know he was an interim manager, the, the person who took over. Um, but that's what it reminded me of. It, it, it was just an inept performance on a day where Celtic are already in the final, not played brilliantly, but managed to get through to the final. And you're thinking, right, we've got we've got a match, we've got to match that result. We want to play Celtic on December the nineteenth. But they, they they didn't have enough punch, Rangers. You know, they, they they never put up a fight, in my opinion. They really didn't, and I was very very surprised. And if I, I defy any Rangers fan to come on here and say that I'm, I'm not talking sense. I'm not telling it exactly mm. how I saw the game. Um, and sometimes you've got to. And I was the biggest one last season for saying that Celtic are not at it. They're giving goals away too easily. You know, they're not giving everything. There's a lack of effort at times. There's like a couple of the players look disinterested for Celtic last season. Mm. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing that right now at Rangers. And I can't really put my finger on it. Why? What did you think, Craig, of what Conor Goldson said afterwards? Was he telling the truth? I mean, you don't really want to be hearing one of your players saying that there's no way back from 3-1 down at half-time, that's for sure. But some of the other stuff about Rangers lacking hunger, not taking instructions on board, not being at it, was that, was actually that him telling the truth? I, I think Conor Goldson's comments were enough of disgrace. He played for Rangers, you know, and John knows as well, it's the same with Celtic. You have to be hungry every single season because there is a demand that you go and win things. The fact is, we haven't won a domestic cup in 10 years. If one trophy out of a possible nine is enough for players like Conor Goldson to down tools and decide they're not hungry anymore, they're at the wrong club, quite frankly. Um, I think Goldson's somebody who all season long has barely got himself 
out of second gear. He's made countless mistakes. Under Steven Gerrard, he was undroppable. It didn't seem to matter what he'd done, he's undroppable. Hopefully, that is not the case under the new manager, under Gio, which is another thing I must say. I feel people have been incredibly harsh on Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. The guy has not even... He's only just took training today for the first time and I was reading the paper yesterday. You mean harsh harsh for not going down to the dressing room at half-time? Well, yesterday in the paper he's been called weak by Keith Jackson. He's not even managed the team yet. How can he be weak? And uh, Ross Wilson explained in the press conference about the work permit. Maybe he could have, maybe he couldn't have. A decision was made at half-time that he wasn't going to go down. It was certainly not his fault we conceded three goals in the first half. It wasn't his fault the players didn't defend properly and didn't turn up. To call him weak when he's not managed a game yet, I think is very, very premature and very harsh. Give him a chance to come in and actually manage the team and see how he gets on and then make a judgment. To make a judgment call, I think his sweeping is that as strong as to say that he's weak or he's you know, he's abdicated his, his, his responsibility. I think I just think it's a bit harsh. I understand the whole he could have went into the dressing room. I do get that, but you know, managers don't always do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, we were already 3-1 down. That was not on Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. It really wasn't. That was on the players, and it was on David McCallum as well, because his substitutes, I think it's John Aguidi were, you know, they were the substitutes of a man, and I say this with great respect, who is a B-team manager, because for 3-1 down, he's bringing on three central defensive midfielders. That's not going to win you a game. I'm but a Craig, do you know what? We, we don't know whether... Um whether Giovanni Van Bronckhurst went down he was on the team coach wasn't he? No he didn't go no, down No we know he didn't go down because we down. saw him at half time having what, a cup of tea what maybe, the... what maybe I would have done if I was manager I've never managed I'm just saying maybe I'd gone down shock the players because he's not banned from the dressing room by the way he can, he can go in the dressing room you know shock all the players hands good luck let them know that you're there Firm handshake. Good luck, lads. I won't be. I won't be. I'm, I'm giving David McCallum the the best of respect. He's been in charge since Stevie left a week prior to that. He's been working with the team. I'm giving him the respect. You're taking over to. I expect us to win the game today. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about tactic. Don't even tell them what you expect of them. Shake every Rangers player's hands and say, "Look, good luck today. Let's get into that final. Give him a few words. You know, just just try and sort of g him up a little bit." I'm going to go upstairs. All the best, best of luck, guys. Get on with it, David. Good luck to you as you as you sort yeah. of uh, interim man. That's what I would have done personally. I, I think that might have been a better thing for Van Bronckhorst to have done. But I also think he's shown David McCallum the respect as an interim mm. manager. He's been with the team. He's set out the tactics, and that's what he's done. He's stayed away from actually giving any tactics before the game. But I would have gone down and shook the players' hands and wished the team well. Was it not at half-time that the players needed a word well, though from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst when the semi-final was slipping away? I'd said during commentary when I was doing it that I felt it would have been right for him to go down and say something. And people think automatically when you say that he wants to go in and raise his voice and shout and scream at everybody. It's not that. Sometimes it's just a little word here and there, some observations of your own, because sitting in the stands is a completely different thing from a game than being down on pitch side. You see things a little bit differently. And suddenly to come in and just give a couple of little pieces here and there, talk about the next goal, a little bit of motivation, just something where you think you can get a spark. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm. But if it works and you get back to 3-2 three, or 3-3, three, three, then you think, you know, he's had an impact. Mm. Whatever he said has inspired those players a little bit. So I think he was in a uh, a no-lose situation. I, I just thought that was my point. You know, I don't mean to go down and raise and lift people and throw things. and ca- That's not what it is. 
introduce yourself in the moment, in the heat of the moment when the players need something to look up to. I mean, the players knew he was there. But ultimately, you know, if he wasn't able to go down or they decided he wasn't going to go down, fine. But I'm just trying to think from a from another perspective of what the players would have needed. It would have been a little jag of, oh, someone's in to say something different. Here's our new manager. Here's our leader. Right, OK, maybe Ryan Kent. You know, stay wide. Stop coming inside. Stay wide and go on the outside and take your man on. Mm. Centre forward. Morelos, don't mm. leave the 18-yard box. Stop going to right wing and left wing. Stay in the centre of the, you know, the pitch. Mm. Just little things where players might think, right, OK. Right, OK, get on with it. I'm away. Craig, do you think that uh, looking beyond the semi-final, looking forward now, do you think that Giovanni van Bronckhorst can have the immediate impact required to turn this around? Because there are so many big games, not just the one on Thursday, but so many big games coming up here, which will have a big say in whether Rangers are going to stay uh, stay in that position as pace setters in the Premiership. Well, I, I hope so. I think he, he certainly, I think he does have the ability to do it. And I think, you know, the one thing that needs to be said is that, you know, okay, we're out the cup. It is only the first cup that we are still four points clear at the top of the know, still another Scottish Cup to play for. That becomes even more important now, make no mistake about it. So there's time to rectify it. Um, and then come May, you're reflecting upon this as just a massive slip up. But I think what needs to happen personally, if he's going to do that, I think he needs to go in and properly... I would, If I was Van Bronckhorst, I'd make a real statement. And the first thing I would do, quite frankly, is I'd strip James Tavernier of the captaincy and I'd hand it to Steve Davis or Scott Arfield and make a statement that clearly the leadership that he showed last season, Tavernier, has gone. And that if he's, able, if he's doing that, not one player in that squad should sit there feeling comfortable with his job done or... If you don't have the hunger and you don't want to be in the team, then fine, you won't be in the team. It's as simple as that. Should it have I been James Tavernier, Tavernier Craig, should it have been James Tavernier who spoke afterwards rather than Conor Goldson? Absolutely. He's the captain. You know, I think that's a, a shocking his responsibility. And, you know, I, I hate saying it because I thought he was great last season. But the fact is, I think for too long now this season, James Tavernier as the captain of the club, once again, like he did two years ago, three years ago, is just skirting by and not taking charge like you, sh- you should be doing as a captain when things aren't going well. He should be out there speaking, not Goldson, although Goldson hasn't learned from the words that Tavenier used a couple of years ago when he spoke about not handling pressure. It just it gives you a bad look when you say that. And when the captain, after a game like that, that's who I wanted to hear from, especially when we didn't have a proper manager in place at the time. That's who everybody wanted to hear from was the captain, no, Connor Goldson. Craig, thanks a lot for uh, joining thanks, us Craig. on the show. All the best to you um, and all the best to Rangers and Celtic on uh, Thursday night. It is first training session today with the players Giovanni van Bronckhorst. Um, discipline is a word that he uses again. And again, he's strict as a coach. He says, I wonder what he's going to do team-wise for uh, Thursday night. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go, go, go. One of those big European football weeks getting underway tonight. Of course, Champions League tonight and tomorrow night and Europa for Celtic and Rangers on Thursday. Just having a look at the team news for Manchester United who play Villarreal. Uh, That match is starting shortly in about 15 minutes' time, I think. Uh, Scott McTominay is in and, of course, uh, Manchester United 
our minus a manager. Um, we'll be looking at all the sort of implications for Rangers and Celtic. It is still quite complicated when you look at the groups in terms of what uh, can and can't happen over the next two match days. Uh, Rangers and Celtic, both of them are the chance crags at the mm. moment of uh, making it to the Europa knockout stages. Uh, you would say... Well, Celtic are already in the conference, aren't they? Yep. Knockout stages at minimum. Uh, Rangers still with a bit to do because Bronby, although they haven't won yet, have got a couple of points. Rangers have got four. Sparta Prague have got four. Lyon are away with it on on 12. It's going to be interesting. Well, it is. You know, a simple fact for Celtic is if they can go and get a point in Leverkusen, it means match day six is alive for them at home to Real Betis. They beat them by two goals and I think they qualify. For Rangers, uh, if they beat Sparta Prague by more, by two goals or more, then they're guaranteed Europa League football after Christmas. So lots to play for for both sides. I just hope both games go to match day six. Worst case scenario, that both teams are alive in match day six. Rangers could have qualified by match day six, but let's hope Celtic have them, are, are still in with a shout because they've improved since they played Leverkusen. Now, Leverkusen are still yeah. a very good side. I think since they played, Leverkusen have only won three out of nine games. One of those was 4-0 at home against Ferenc Varos. So yeah. although their form may not be great, there's a little reminder that 4-0 victory at home to Ferenc Varos just means Celtic have to be careful. But they'll be going there in a much better frame of mind. You know, they're they're winning games in a different way. It's, it's not all guns blazing and open attacking. Sometimes they've had to grind results out. So I think they'll certainly feel as if they can go there and put on a good show. And if they could come home from Germany with a point, it'd be a wonderful result. Yeah, and just looking at Celtic, as we said at the top of the show over the last nine games as well, it's uh, yeah. it's won eight and drawn mm-hmm. one, and that was the game, of course, in which Yakimakis uh, missed a penalty late on. Otherwise, it would have been nine wins out of nine for Celtic uh, going into this one on Thursday. It's Leverkusen Celtic in Germany, five forty-five kickoff, and then Rangers at home to Sparta Prague, eight o'clock. Another of those European. Doubleheader, Stephen Cragen, John Hartson on the show. And we've got John with us now, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, John. Evening, guys. All right, John. Are you John? well? Uh, very well, very well. <laughs> very well. Things, uh, things are moving nicely for your team at the moment. The Christmas advert came out today for Celtic. And yep. uh, I was watching it with such joy and happiness. And uh, <laughs> I don't know I, I don't know if you feel this, uh, John, as yeah. well. I suppose you will. Um there's a, there's a feeling of togetherness at Celtic, which yeah. is um, now beginning to take a bit of traction. Absolutely, John. And I think one of the reasons for that is winning games. Consistently winning games. People talk about team spirit. People talk about character. You only really get that when you're winning, John. You can't have good character. You can't have great spirit. The training ground can't be buzzing when you're losing games. Um, you know that's what causes anxiety problems change of the team issues in the dressing room players arguing but now it seems a really tight knit group and just knitted all that together and um, they're on a fantastic run and a great timing today to bring out the, the new Christmas video as well um, but Ange will know and this is what I really like about the new manager he'll know he won't be resting on his laurels he wants to drive this team on he wants to get better and he wants to work harder and he wants to work at the system. Every his demands of the players. He he won't sort of uh he won't shy away from that hard work and think we're on a great run and everything else. He wants the demands and, and, and the efforts he wants from his players. That won't stop. That will not stop. That's just the type of manager he is. 
It's it's a great soundtrack, isn't it, on the on the Celtic Christmas uh, video, John, with the shoot old acquaintance, and of course all about Bertie Old and um, in memory of of such a big character within the club, Eddie Readers singing it, doing a great version of it as well. What what's your favourite bit of the of the video, John? It's got to be the end with Jota, <laughs> George it? Michael at the end. George Michael's, yeah, it's a, it's a, he, he is just the doppelganger of uh, George Michael, um, and you know it's it's just fitting that um, Celtic fans have engaged with Last Christmas and fitted in Ange Postecoglou uh, into a song. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's you know I I think I think do you know what I love um, and I love recently is just the feel good factor at Celtic, yeah. Um, yeah. and it's uh, you know it, it drives the fans, it drives the players. Um, and you know, even even for Thursday night um, over in Germany, um, do you think that will just give that? You know, it'll just the whole atmosphere and the whole build up will just favour Celtic. Well, we know, John. You know, we are realistic as fans, um, and it's a tough game. When you think um, the way we got dismantled four 0 you know, in uh, in the home game against um, Bayer Leverkusen. Yes, we are much improved. We know we 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 bounced back really well from losing the first two games. Group, you know, group uh, uh, game one, game two, and then we went to one game three, game four. We're on six points. Um, I'd fancy us more now to get a result. We are away from home, difficult travelling away from home. Although we were uh, we were excellent in our last game. Um, so for me, it's a difficult game. I would love us to come away with something, and um, and then I I I'd really fancy Celtic in that last game at home uh, to Real Betis under the lights, knowing that a win would would take us through automatically. Um, if there's a there's a goals change and we, you know, things like that. If it goes head to head head to head in goals, so under the lights, if we can take it to the last game. Um, we are relying on Ferenc Varas to do us a favour tomorrow night if we get beat. Because if Real Betis win and we lose, then we can't physically uh, go up. We can't because Real Betis will be four points ahead of us with only three points to play for in the last game. So for me, I'd love us to go and get a result tomorrow night. But I'm also very realistic that this Bayer Leverkusen team, they won at the weekend. They're fourth in the Bundesliga. They are a very, very good team. So I'm also realistic about our chances tomorrow. Don't please don't let sound negative and downbeat. I'm just trying to be realistic, you know. Mm. Do you just just to go on the, um, the the point of you know see 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 when we are playing um, our attacking football mm. and we're causing problems for defenders and you know it's a wave after wave. Um, St. Johnson seemed to, you know, at the weekend, um, kind of stall that a little bit. I mean, I don't think there was only maybe five shots. I don't know if it was maybe five, you know, chances or five shots in goal from the start I read. But um, do you think that, um, you know, with Celtic, do you think it'll be a game where it'll be all guns blazing? Or do you think we'll be more savvy about it and, you know, we'll play... Um, you know, a bit more, you know, we'll attack and then we'll sort of just, uh, you know, defend properly and well, of course. Well, I think it'll be a type of game where you look at the game at the weekend against St. Johnson. St. Johnson came hoping that they could get a few breaks. They had two long range shots and O'Halloran closed down uh, Joe Hart. Joe Hart, that could have been, you know, a mistake, but in the end, nothing came of it. But St. Johnson, I thought they contained Celtic very well. 
Um, defensively, they were solid. They very. Let's not forget, St. Johnson won four games at Hamden last season under Callum Davids, and they're a very well organised team. They defend strongly, put the ball in the box. They play three three centre halves who love defending, who put their bodies in. Tomorrow night, John will be a totally different game. Thursday, Thursday night. Sorry. Uh, I fly to Germany tomorrow, I'm getting mixed up. I'll be in Germany tomorrow, but the game won't be until <laughs> Thursday. Yeah. But um, I think it'll be a different game. I think Bayer Leverkusen mm. will feel they can beat Celtic. I think they'll they'll, they'll come at us. Um, and that's up to Celtic then to, to cope defensively, defend strongly. And with the players that we have going forward, you know, about our front three is exceptional. Jota's just one player of the month, um, so he's in great, great form. And Ange, Ange's player of the month as well. And I, I was manager. watching him. I was manager. Watching, manager. Watching, manager. What did I say? Yeah. Player. Player, sorry. Man, <laughs> manager of the month. And I saw him, um, he was doing his bit, wasn't he, with, the, with our pal Cy Ferry, uh, an open goal. And he was really relaxed and he was really comfortable. And he uh, and I guess he gave off an image of a, of a, a camp that's really happy. At the moment, and James um, James Forrest might come in, John, tomorrow night as well. Abada, you think James was, the, you know, he was the hero at the weekend. We know he can what what he can produce. I think it'll be a different game that you'll see tomorrow. It might suit Celtic. I think it might suit Celtic when teams come at them, and then they open up and there's more space in behind rather than St. Johnson. They made it really tight. They made it difficult for Celtic to get in behind. Although Jota, first fifteen minutes, he was outstanding. Um, so I think it'll be a bit different and I'm, I'm hoping that will suit Celtic on, on Thursday night I just think when you look at you know Rob exactly your point you're talking about he looks really relaxed and calm and composed Ange Postacoglu I think his team reflect that yeah you know mm. you get a manager who's on the touchline you look at Diego Simone of Atletico Madrid bounces a bit over the pitch going mad throwing his hands that's how his team play mm. they're erratic at times they're smashing into tackles they're pulling people whereas you know you look at Ange Postacoglu hands in his pockets very seldom does he get animated and I think that's why on, on Saturday there was a big improvement. They didn't panic. They waited for the moment they arrived. They knew St. Johnson eventually may just give up one opportunity and Celtic would have to capitalise. And bringing on James Forrest was the perfect player to bring on. How often has he been Johnny on the spot for Celtic? When the goal is needed, the big games, he breaks a deadlock. It was exactly. And that's why when you look at Ange Postacoglu and you look at the composure and the calmness within his team, you think that's your input onto that team and your team are reflecting how you are as an individual and that's why there's a calmness throughout the pitch and also probably a calmness throughout the supporters John on the phone I'm going to ask you the question that I asked John in the studio right at the top of the show uh, do you think the balance do you feel the balance of power is shifting in Scottish football at the moment are you getting more and more hopeful for your team um, in terms of winning the title <laughs> do you know it's it, 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 I think it's tilted back I think it's tilted back um, into Celtic's Favour. Uh, I think Celtic are looking stronger. There's a togetherness at Celtic, um, which um, you know. And I, I, as, as I say, I think with if you look at Rangers, um, I mean, I don't think Celtic are looking at Rangers in any way. But if you were to look at Rangers, you know, a change of manager, um, you know, if players are unhappy, etc. You know, a bit of discord within the team, and you look at Celtic and you look at the vibe around Celtic. I think there's a clear shift, um, in a clear shift in, uh, you know, obviously the title hopes. I think, um, I, I think it will be close. Uh, but you know, if Celtic keep up the run that they're going on, uh, and obviously if we can get one or two more players in January, uh, then I think Celtic will win the league. I think January the second tells us a lot, John. Um, Celtic Rangers at Celtic Park. Um, just uh, in terms of how that performance goes, how's that result going to go? In terms of, I think we'll know where we are up against 
Rangers um, because they've they've uh, Celtic have not beaten Rangers in the last seven games. So in terms of that, you know, Celtic are going to go into that game thinking turn of the year, uh, a chance possibly if we can claw back that four point gap, um, a chance maybe to show that we're a better team, we're a much more improved team than the game back in, was it August or September, the first yeah, but, one but at Ibrox? But a lot can change, can't it, yeah. between, well, now, between now and then? There's a lot of games. That, that's going to take, there's a lot of games. There's probably yeah. four or five more games before yeah. that There's actually one. maybe seven. Yeah. Seven or eight, because and, it's I, not I think second the second of the games as yeah. well, yeah. yeah. So there's I, lots of games to go. But again, I think the key point is to see how Rangers settle under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. You know, what he will look at and think is, we're not playing great, we're coming under lots of criticism, the players have taken lots of flack, and there's room, we're four points clear at the top and there's room for improvement. The big question is, how, can he get that improvement? Can he get the 5 or 10% out of his team? Because if he doesn't, Celtic are just sitting on their shoulders waiting for any little mistake that comes, and they're waiting to pounce. And that's you, what we have to do. Craig's at Rangers have been 4-3-3 for the best part of two or three years now. 4-3-3. Mm -hmm. A flat back for three and three up top. Mm. Yeah, the wide men, you know, they can tuck in, they can run back, chase back, everything else. It'll be interesting to see. I asked Craig more this this question last week. He thinks he's got to stay with the system simply because but, that's but, what the players know. But that but that's but, the system he's familiar with as well. Yeah. Giovanni van yeah. Bronckhorst. That, but what that's, he gets, that's that's his favourite system, little, isn't it? He might get little distinct changes. I don't know. I'm not seeing Feyenoord play. Have you seen no, Feyenoord no, play? No, no, but he said yesterday. He said mm. it as well, he was that's asked. The Dutch that, way. He, he was asked. But you know, but you're talking I'm talking about Ryan Kent and Haji, for example, playing wide, where Steven Gerrard wanted them inverted. Whereas Van Bronckhorst might say, no, I want to do what Ange Postecoglou does. Yeah. I want him to play on the touchline. And, it's and allow full-backs to come in. So that's that's what's interesting to see if there's team, picks the formation. Yeah. That'll be the interesting yeah. bit. Yeah, and so much is going to hinge uh, on the impact he has uh, ahead of Thursday, of course, and ahead of a really busy December of fixtures. Um, thanks a lot, John. Cheers, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, guys. All the best. See you, mate. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go, go, go. So we're back in among it, the Europa League on Thursday, Champions League tonight, tomorrow night. Just watching in the screens or in the studio, uh, Villarreal against Man United, just about to get underway. Scott McTominay is playing for United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is history. Michael Carrick doing the pre-match interview. Uh, Mike Phelan on the bench alongside him. So it was the two guys that were uh, supporting Solskjaer uh, who are still in charge of the team. Crags, how's that going to go? Strange, you know, the writing's been on the wall for the past month or six weeks that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was probably going to leave Manchester United unless there was a huge upturn in results. I'm just surprised they haven't had a, a succession plan. That's mm. quite surprising for a club that size to have someone ready to go or someone waiting in the wings. You only have to look at Aston Villa when they got rid of Dean Smith and Stephen Gerrard was there within a few days. When Norwich City got rid of uh, Daniel Farker and Dean Smith was in within a few days, yeah. you know, so and Giovanni Van Bronckhurst was in within a week of Rangers. So I'm just surprised that they haven't, you know, had someone to come in. Uh, listen, it's a chance for Michael Carrick to go and show what he can do if he gets a, a response out of the players. He's made a couple of big calls. He left Bruno Fernandes out. I think he said that earlier on. Uh, Martial's back in. Sancho's back in. So it'll be interesting to see if they get a result tonight. Then he might put himself in line to stay as interim manager for a little while. But a club like Manchester United, one of the biggest in the world, they should be able to attract the majority of managers mm. out there. Of course, not Pep Guardiola and, and, and uh, Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea and guys like that, but there must be other managers out there where they think, 
we're Man United, we've got the finance, we're going to go and buy you and bring you to be manager of our club. There was talk of them appoint, uh, appointed another interim manager until the end of the season. Mm. Surely Manchester United have to go and get a full-time manager and you know get a plan in place to move forward. But they're so, trying though, Craigs. You know, they, 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 I, I would imagine they're making contact with Pochettino. Pochettino's almost just ruled himself Yeah, there are quotes, on, quotes uh, running along so the bottom of the screen at the moment won't, saying won't, that yeah, because he's, con he's contracted till 2023 with PSG, Pochettino, but there was the suggestion that he had some sort of get-out clause in it where he could move immediately and that he would be the next manager. But certainly the quotes that are being attributed to him, in fact, we're just seeing his face on screen. Well, he said he's happy. At the moment, he has to be seen to say the right yeah. thing. He said he was happy, but there was another manager who said he was happy <laughs> in this country. Oh, he's very happy here. But yes. there's some things don't, don't ask me silly questions. <laughs> well, I'm don't, just saying. So don't yeah. rule Brendan Rodgers out of this. He'll be watching this very, very closely. He'll be watching what's and for, our, for as far as we're aware, mm. there might have already been contact made. You just don't know. You don't know what goes on outside the world of this little studio. We can surmise, we can guess, we can mm. make a That's what we're here to do. That's Absolutely. what we're here to do, John. Correct. That's what we're here to do. Well, I tell you something. We do two know. hours of guessing every night. <laughs> He'd fancy that. Yeah. And of course he would. No that, disrespect does... to Leicester because they've given the run of the club. Does that He's work a... for you? Does that does Brendan Rodgers as Man United manager son, work for you? I don't like what he did at Celtic. That's common knowledge. Celtic fans don't like that what he did. Lost an awful lot of respect for doing what he did. He walked walked away from. Is he Celtic. of the caliber? Is he of the caliber of a Manchester United yeah, manager? I think so. I think he's he's a, he's a top class manager. He's I don't know if a Man United fans would take him. He's an ex Liverpool manager as well. Possibly one of the first people ever to manage Man United in Liverpool. If he got the Man United job, I don't mm. know if there's any of them. I'm sure the statisticians out there will. Come back with the name, but I, I I don't know. I don't know if it's times past. Leicester are having a tough season. You know, they're the twelfth or thirteenth, or maybe eleventh in the league, something like that. So mm -hmm. I'd be surprised if they went for Brendan. Maybe a year ago, eighteen months ago, mm -hmm. when Leicester were pushing towards the top and they were in full flow. Yeah, um, but then you've got Brendan. Certainly fancy it. Yeah, Brendan's. Yeah, but you got a Liverpool uh, manager, my United, my United manager, didn't you? What? He's managed Liverpool. Well, that's what I said. I said yeah, he, he could possibly you just said won't happen now, but you think it could have happened eighteen months ago? They should have took Brendan then. Well, because Leicester were playing better. We were talking there about... Yeah, six. but that's not what you said. You said they might not take it because... Come on, you two. No, he's, I, a, he's a Liverpool... Said, yeah. He's a, he I managed said, Liverpool. Yeah, but I said, my United said fans... They won't said, do it yeah, now. I said the fans but, might, accept, might but, not accept it. But they'd have accepted it 17 months ago. Probably not, but he would have been in a better position to probably convince them because he was... Well, I'm watching a game of better. tennis, this. Um, <laughs> right, we were, we were talking there about succession plans uh, at clubs um, and talking about the speed with which... Uh, Stephen Gerrard to uh, Aston Villa mm -hmm. was accomplished. Did Stephen Gerrard see this coming? Did, did he w was his departure from Rangers apart from the opportunity that came up in the English Premier League? Was his departure from Rangers hastened because he saw things unraveling at Rangers? Um, he saw he saw the staleness that that's been that's been spoken well, I about. I think we've been on this show since the start of the season. You could see that there were. 5 or 10%, sometimes 15, 20% away from where they want to be as a team in results and performances and energy in the team. They were winning games and supporters assembled were, you know, we're winning but we're not playing well. So if you can accept that when you're winning, then when a defeat comes around, you still have to accept it. You can't get upset with the team because they didn't play well the previous week and they won. They didn't play well this week and they haven't won. So you kind of have to keep your, your balance. It was interesting, and I didn't really want to go into it, but it was an interesting comment that Stephen Gerrard made in his first Aston Villa press conference. And he said, winning that league title was mission accomplished. Completing the remit. Yeah. Now, mission accomplished means the end. Mm -hmm. Whereas when Rangers won in that title, that should have been the start. Mm -hmm. So that kind of made me think, had he reached the end? 
or had, had, had was that message passed to the players? Mission accomplished. That means you almost relax. It's over. It's done. That should have been saying, this is the start. Yeah. This is the first brick of the new building that we're going to go. We're going to go win trophy after trophy. I'm not saying he transferred that message to his players, but when he said that comment, I thought, mission accomplished means, you know, that should be actually the beginning. That should have been the beginning for them to kick on. And this season, they've plateaued a little bit. Players have underperformed, no doubt about it. Barisic, I think, um, it's a two assists all season, which Borna Barisic last season wasn't like that. And he's in and out of the team as well. He's in and out of the team. Morelos, I think, is spending too much time in the wide areas as opposed to wanting to be a centre forward, but he's probably getting frustrated. He's wanting to go and try and impact and affect the game. Um, Glenn Kamara I think over the past month his performances have dipped you just wonder is that a carry on from the European Championships in the summer when he played a lot of football and played right through is he having a little dip because of fatigue kicking in so so many things coming around and when you get to that stage you need maybe a new voice a new direction some new training routines uh, little subtle changes in the setup and the tactics and suddenly players come to life again and that's what they have to hope that they're going to get from Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. Disjointed is a word that's being used a lot about Rangers this season. Uh, lots of performances. They have hit form now and again. There was a couple of Sundays where they scored 10 goals uh, in the Premiership not so very long ago against Ross County and against Motherwell. Mm-hmm. Um, showing good form and people say, that's it, that's Rangers back. But in between that, there was a there was a an unimpressive performance against Bronby. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're not making waves in Europe the way, the way they have been previously. They topped the group uh, last season and and when you hear what Conor Goldson was saying on the back of the game on, on, he on, says on, that on, he lost. on, on Sunday if they'd won it would be he, different you know, no, but, he, but he's having a go at other players isn't he what he was saying it wasn't about us and we it was about well, he's some, off. Of, some of you guys are you know well, has he left a bit on the players because he's leaving yes, you know, why didn't he sign a new contract if he's committed and listen it's his prerogative he, he might be offered you know, bundles and bundles of money to go to go on a free transfer down to the Premier League. That might have been done through an agent. You know, there's a, there's a reason why he's not signing his contract. Yeah. And for me, that is because he's probably looking to move away. But it's damaging, isn't it? It's da- what he's what he what he was saying and how he was saying it. That's damaging, isn't yeah. it? I think it's just I think it's pure frustration because we don't see the players training every day. We don't see the body language every day. What goes on? He clearly does. So that's something for me that's been bugging him for quite a while. That's been annoying him and he hasn't had the chance to come out and say it or he hasn't wanted to say it. Because before he made that statement, he actually did say, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And that tells me that he's at his wit's end. He just thinks, I need to say this, I need to get it off my chest and it probably will draw headlines and it will upset people. But if it's a spark that someone says, well, that's right, I'm going to show him. And it brings a little bit of friction and it gets people up on the game. It's worked, it's magic. That's what it's all about. I didn't agree with the bit about the game's over at 3-1. I think that, no. was, I think that was a very naive comment from mm. him. You know, what kind of message does that send out to the Rangers fans? But I think after that and the hunger bit, because we've been standing here every week saying something's <clears> missing, but nobody can seem to, and fans phone in, and no one can seem to put their finger on what it is. Mm. He mentioned the word hunger, that's what it could be. But do you know what though, Rob, right? Four or five, three or four days ago, when Van Bronckhorst was named, he was named before the final. Mm-hmm. And Semi- the field, semi-final. The semi-final. The feel-good factor was huge mm-hmm. at Rangers. We've got our man. Yep. We've got the one we want. Almost forget Gerard. No, he's gone. He's made his decision. We've got somebody with more experience. He's won a Champions League. He's won a title in Holland. We are gonna do. We're gonna clean up. They're going into a semi-final. The treble is on their mind under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. What happens? It's gone up in smoke. I don't think anybody mentioned that, did they? Nobody yeah, mentioned they, treble. Yeah, but they'd have been thinking that way. How do you know? Of course they would have. They won the league by 25 points last season. They should have won more cups. Mm. 
But what you're talking about, what, what you're troubles. talking about, is the euphoria that the uh, the Rangers are feeling at the time of the appointment. All of a sudden, now they lose poorly mm -hmm. in the semi-final. Jerry von Bronckhorst never took over, obviously on the day. But straight away now, you're talking Sardica favourites again. There's a crisis at Rangers. Connor Goldson's come out and hammered the players. <coughs> Said there's no hunger, said there's no desire, said the game's over at, at two or three one. All of a sudden there's a negativity now. Whereas four days ago, so Celtic lose to Aberdeen and lose tomorrow night. Next week we're talking about oh, there's a negativity at Celtic. Yeah. It changes every oh, yeah. single yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the dust has uh, far from settled on the back of uh, that semi-final Sunday. <laughs> Um, like Rangers losing though. three goals to one against Hibs it's going to be Celtic against Hibs now in the League Cup final a lively hour of chat has gone another one still to come Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well the taxi centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes Nissan, Ford, Hyundai you name it they've got saloons, MPVs, estates minibuses, prestige cars a lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. Not much time for Rangers to lick their wounds on the back of that semi-final defeat on Sunday at the hands of Hibs 3-1. It was, and uh, Hibbs, after Martin Boyle's hat-trick, heading for the final next month against Celtic. All sorts of uh, chat about uh, how many fans they're going to have in place for that one. But for Rangers, it's all about marching onwards 48 hours away from that game at Ibrox against Sparta Prague, which has massive European implications. This was Giovanni Van Bronckhorst yesterday. Uh, you know, we're now in a position where when we have a good result, you know, you can be qualified for the next stages of, uh, in, in Europe, which will give us more games. And, uh, of course, playing against Sparta Prague on Thursday, you know, my first game, you know, it would be very special, of course, because it's the first game back as, as a manager, of course, at Ibrox, which is also very special. But, you know, for me, it's the most important thing we get a result it's my first uh, game as a, as a coach. But, you know, the most important thing is we get a good result for the club. And at the moment, Rangers on four points along with Sparta Prague. So it does have a cup final feel about it going into that game. It's an eight o'clock kickoff at Ibrox on Thursday uh, after Leverkusen play Celtic at 5.45. Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and John Hartson. And we've got Joe in Cardiff. Hi, Joe. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? Yeah, right, well, well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all, thank you. Not too bad. Are you recovering from Sunday's result? Oh, I talk about a hangover, yeah, and not and definitely not from alcohol, yeah. I think <laughs> it's such a shame to start um you know, to start Geo's tenure on that note, really, you know, on that footing and to rub it in. obviously you'd have all been familiar with Connor Goldson's comments after the game. Yeah. So I think um yeah, it wasn't a good day for Rangers or Rangers fans in particular, but um hopefully now new chapter, new era and uh, Geo can sort the dressing room out. How bad was the performance, Joe, from Rangers? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I, oh, defensively we haven't been great this season, so I wasn't overly surprised. And obviously Martin Boyle and Hibbs are really well coached. You've got the holy hands up. Jack Ross has got them really well organised. But from a Rangers perspective, 
I just thought we'd give them far too much space all over the pitch, almost a bit too much respect. Certain players looked disinterested and um, defensively we haven't been great. Uh, you know, it's there for all to see. You know, we've been conceding relatively early on. We've given ourselves too much to do in league games. You know, we have to fight back. And then especially then off the back of the week that we've had with Gerard leaving and a little bit of uncertainty around the club, I just think one or two players may have thought, you know, we can just rock up and beat Hibs. And actually they were much more organised than probably our players thought. And, and obviously, you know, you've just got to hold your hands up and you, you can't deny what, what we've seen. And they were there to be got at Hibs, weren't they, Crags? They, they hadn't yeah. played for three and a half weeks. Yeah. They'd lost their last four. Yeah. I have to say, you know, credit must go to Jack Ross because his team selection was very brave mm-hmm. or his setup was brave because he went two strikers, Martin Boyle, Kevin Nisbet, and out of possession, the two of them stayed up. They went man for man on Connor Goldson and Leon Balogun. Uh, and when they won the ball any time in the middle third, they just turned it around the corner. Especially in the early part of the game, they just spun it down the side, which meant Boyle could stretch it in behind Nisbet as a willing runner in behind. And it frightened the life out of Rangers a little bit. Goldson and Balogun were yeah. caught in between. Did they go tight? Did they step off? So... You know, they didn't do anything spectacular initially. It was just simply win the ball, put it down the side. But that all comes from tactics and, you know, Jack's obviously worked on it. And the second goal was was perfect. You know, it was the two strikers linking up, Nisbet coming off, getting a lovely turn, you know, a lovely little slide reel pass in for Boyd's pace in behind. So it worked perfect for Jack. Rangers just couldn't cope with the movement and pace. Pace frightens the life out of defenders. Defenders don't know whether to you know, push up or drop off. And then there was a little bit, Rangers looked a little bit disjointed when they lost the ball because the two centre-halves are trying to protect the space in behind them. So uh, Jack got his tactic spot on. Rangers got exposed uh, and, and just couldn't respond when when uh, you know, when they went three behind. And that's where the manager will have looked at the game on Sunday, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. And he will have learned an awful lot mm. about his players, about you know, especially in adversity, who stood up. Who, the body language of players, the response, did they want the ball, did they not want the ball, why did they not create chances? So he will have learned an awful lot about his players. He learned probably more in defeat than what you do with a win. George, do you think the, there, was a, there was an element of a little bit of complacency from the Rangers players thinking, yeah. well, they've not been in great form, Hibs, under Jack Ross this season. Um, they've won a couple of games, yes, but of late, uh, they haven't quite been getting the results we expect from Hibs. So do you think the Rangers fans, there's an element of we just step off the bus, um, we'll go and beat Hibs and we know we're, we're going to play Celtic in the final and, and possibly Van Bronckhurst can, can win his first trophy within the first couple of months of being at the football club. Do you think that complacency set in a little bit? Absolutely, John. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. you're spot on. I can't disagree with either you or Craig's comment as well. I think uh, you're spot on. I think I was really disappointed in some of our senior players in particular. You know, mm. uh, they just kind of maybe let that completely set into the dressing room and probably thought, oh, we've been here before. Uh, but as we all know as well, we don't have a great track record against Hibs, especially at Hamden. Mm. So I would, have liked, I would have liked to have seen more of the players go out and, you know, really put a statement of intent down. They were known Gio was, was there. But I think you're actually spot on, John. And um, like I said, you know, we've been defensively quite frail, whereas that was our foundation last year for all the success that we had and yeah. the unbeaten run in the league, obviously. But... It's just another frustrating element and I would have liked to have seen more appetite from the players to go after the cup, you know, and actually, like I said, seeing the players to stand up and go, you know what, actually, you know, we know we're going to be competitive in the league, but let's let's get ourselves in the cup final, let's, let's really give ourselves something to play for, but yeah. And, and it's, like it's not the first time either, Joe. You look at last no, season, you went out to St. Johnson and you went out to St. Mirren. Yeah. So you think, like, let's come on, let's learn from that. Mm. Let's learn yeah, from yeah. them last minute. Where's goals the fire? Where's the passion? Yeah, come on, there's a final yeah. to get to here. Yeah. The fans, the fans, half the fans left before yeah. the end of the game. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about Giovanni van Bronckhorst and should he have gone into the dressing room at half time. But I was just thinking, 
could he have been in the dressing room at the start? Could he could he have just no. could he have been there with the coaching staff right from the start? What do you with, mean, with, do you mean was he? Or, or no, no, I'm saying could he have been? At, should he have been? In hindsight, you mean? Yeah, in, about, yeah. on reflection, with Brian Gilmore, with Davy McCallum, with Colin mm, Stewart, yeah. with Jermaine Defoe, he was you know effectively letting mm. them get on with their job, but but making his presence felt mm. a, a big issue. Right, won't be made of that so much because it's his mm. first. You know, it was his first management job back at Rangers. Obviously, he's been at Feyenoord, and mm. but not a lot will be made of it because a lot wouldn't more would have been made of it if, say, for instance, um, well, what I'm saying is, is that it's his first job back. So the Rangers fans love him. They, they, you know, they absolutely hailed his appointment. So yeah, but there's immediately but, a disappointment, yeah, but, isn't but there? They, they, they wouldn't want to be nailing him now because they 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 want yeah. him to go and do a good job. If you know what I'm saying, mm. there won't be mm. an overreaction. Yes, people will have their opinions, Joe, no, but, no, but, but there won't be an overreaction about what he did because remember, no. his job is now to pick the team up mm. and go and win games. They have to forget Sunday. They'll quickly put that behind them, that that performance against Sibs, and they've got to go and try and pick up the form, stay top of the league. Listen, they're still four points clear at the top of the league. So he's he's, he's got to he's got to get them back on it, you know. This this was the new manager speaking yesterday about his coaching style. You know, I'm a, I'm a coach who is very strict. You know, I like discipline. I think it's very important for for the way uh, you behave and the way you play on the on the pitch. But also, you know, I like attacking style football. You know, it's it's, it's been my way of playing when as when I was a player. So I like that as a coach, but I'm also a coach to uh, to see what I have, how the squad is. The most important thing as a coach, you have to make sure that your team is is, is playing in their strength and, and to make sure they're comfortable in the way of playing. So I'm, I'm confident that we will find a, a style of play will suit my myself as a coach, but also suit the players. He makes a point there, doesn't he, of, of mentioning discipline and the fact that he's a strict coach, Craggs. Is that exactly what Rangers need at this moment? Well, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I don't imagine there's a problem with discipline. You know, I, I think he's maybe just talking about discipline with regards maybe timekeeping, making sure everyone's in. He hasn't Fitness. met the players. Well, everything, but it, it's hard. Rangers play that many games. You know, the, you, you don't get an awful lot of time to work on fitness. You know, a lot of the time it's recovering maybe one or two pitch sessions and then you've got a game. I mean, Giovanni took his first session today. Would have probably been a late session for the majority of them because they played Sunday. Mm. Tomorrow will probably be not more intense, but maybe more of a tactical session ahead of Thursday's game. And then you've got Friday recovery. <laughs> then you've got Saturday to probably have another tactical walkthrough session for another game on a Sunday. So you don't get an awful lot of time in the training pitch. It's a very difficult time to come in mid-season when there's a really busy spell and there's trophies to fight for and there's there's qualification for the Europa League. There's a Premiership title to challenge for. So, um, I mean, what I picked up from his from his his interview there was he said, "Well, find a style of play that would suit me, hopefully, but more importantly, would suit the players." Mm. Which tells you, you know, he may not get his ideal style over in the first two or three weeks. He will maybe just have to try and roll with the players and see where he takes them and try and work out the strengths and weaknesses and see who can play in but, different but positions players, and then move it on. Players like discipline. Don't don't think that they'll they'll be worried about that. They want this. They want a leader. They want to come in and get told what to do. They want to come into the team and think if I make a mistake, if I let my manager down, I'm going to get it from the manager. You've got to be on that pitch thinking I've got to do the right thing. I've got to make the right pass. I've got to take my chances. I've got to win my tackles, win my headers. But take, presumably they're thinking responsibility they're, from yeah, but were they not thinking that already. Were they, were, were they, no, not, clearly not because was, of the way they played on Sunday. There's no discipline there. Yeah. They're all over the shop. Yeah. But obviously well, now, yeah. but obviously now 
when he comes in, he says, I'm a disciplinarian. I want to be disciplined. I like this. The players should respond to that. That's what they want. Steven Gerrard was a disciplinarian. He wanted discipline for them. Brendan Rodgers was a disciplinarian. He didn't have no messing about players not pulling their weight, not making tackles, not getting up and down the pitch, not tracking their runners, all these things. The players, the players, should, the players will respond to a manager like that. That's what they need is discipline. Are you worried, Joe, at the moment about where Rangers are going or do you think this can just switch, this can just hinge on the, the flick of a switch and, and Rangers can get back to, to where they were? No, I'm not I'm not particularly worried about where we're going. As John pointed out, we're still sitting quite pretty this at this point in the league. So I think he's got a good foundation to work from. Obviously, um, Sunday highlighted some areas which obviously he'll need to address and that probably starts with attitudes um, immediately. But I think, you know, Giovanni Van Broncos was the number one fan's choice for a reason and that was because he, he you know he, he has delivered success at a fire node uh, with limited resource he does like to play an attractive attacking relatively open style of play um i should imagine he'll stick with the kind of dutch setup of 433 which the players are used to i just hope really that the players respond to him as much as or as well as the fans have responded to his appointment really um you know we have got one or two lads who are probably looking at their contracts of looking at Steven Gerrard and they've probably made an impression on him um, may want to go back down south and I'm, I know I'm thinking there mainly of maybe the likes of Tav and Goldson um, you know who have stood out for the previous manager but I do trust Giovanni Van Broncos I trust this board I'm not particularly about, worried about where we're going but obviously you know I would have liked to have um, seen his start to, in, the, in the job on a more positive note do and think, the players put in more of a positive performance for him and that didn't happen on Sunday so. Do you think Craigs will make many changes for Thursday? Well, it depends again what his thoughts processes and how he wants to play. You know, I think under Stephen Gerrard he played with one deep line midfield player which was Stephen Davis predominantly because Ryan Jack was injured and played with two attacking ones which mainly were Joe Rebo and Glenn Kamara. He might want to come in and play with two holding midfield players and play with a number 10. Someone like a Yanis Hadji might want to play Ryan Kent as a number 10. Uh, so it, it, it will all decide what his favoured not system or setup is, but again, then he will look at the players and think, how can we get the best out of them? He will have learned an awful lot about the players at the weekend, um, just about positional sense and who's the threats, who's got the pace. And you can watch as many DVDs, you can watch as many games back as possible, but the naked eye doesn't lie to you. And he will have learned an awful lot about setup and structure and system uh, to see what he wants to put into his team. But he says he wants to play attacking, so I think that's what the Rangers fans Craig, want to hear. Craig, do you think he's sitting at home thinking, I've got to get more out of my centre forward? Morelos. Yeah. Well, before before you answer about, that, you know, let's let's listen to what he said yesterday about getting the best out of his players and uh, his top scorer, well, his main striker, uh, got a mention. Well, we we want to get uh, the best out of every player. You know, not only uh, Morelos. We want to make sure that everyone on the pitch will be you know the best version uh, of themselves or well prepared. So in that way, tomorrow, you know, we we're going to see the players. I'm going to see the players for the first time, and my job is to make sure that my whole staff is helping me in, in getting the players prepared. And it can be different for, for every player, but you know, the, for me it's important to, uh, to look them in the eyes and, and to, to tell them what I think will, will be the best for them. What do you think, Craig? I like it because when the manager sorry, when the manager was announced, there was a headline somewhere, someone wrote an article, something about, uh, I hope that Giovanni, paraphrasing something like, I hope Giovanni can get the best out of Morelos. That was a comment. And I'm thinking, 
the player has to want to get the best out of himself. Mm. And that's what the manager's touching on. For the player to be the best version of himself possible. There's no point in a manager wanting, I'm not just talking about Morelos, I'm talking about every player. There's no point in a manager wanting for someone. The player has to want it. And if the manager and the player can work together and allow them to move forward, then fine. But the player has to have that hunger what Conor Golson's talking about. Every single individual has to want to be the best they can. And there's no doubt Morelos is the one who is getting criticised at times. I just felt on Sunday in particular, he spent too much time outside the box. I think Tran stays a central striker. That's him getting frustrated, wanting to go and get involved and play. Plays a number nine. Be that focal point that he was two or three years ago at Rangers when you know you think of the Portugal games home and away when he was absolutely terrific. Fine order away from home, he got a double, and you think, you know, there's there's something really special. He's lost his way a little bit. So maybe a new manager coming in with a couple of little new directions, a couple of little pieces of information may just get him back to his best and fine. But he has to want to do it himself as long with the rest of the players. Crags. Yep. Crags, just on that note, by the way, just super quickly. That's been the theme, really, that you've picked up on there. That's been the theme of Morelos' um, positioning this season, which was different to the previous two seasons. So I think that was something that maybe Stephen Gerrard and their coaching staff and his coaching staff may have worked on. You know, Gerrard, yeah. um, Morelos seemed to be dropping deeper, didn't he? Coming out outside the yeah. box and the likes of, uh, you know, they've always used the wing as, as, as inside forwards. But he seems to be drifting further and further away from where we want him to be, even as Rangers fans. So hopefully, you know, Roy Mackay joining as Geo's number two, obviously prolific European striker back yeah. in his day. Hopefully you can get a tune out of him. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really good point. But that does seem to have been the theme in all Rangers games where he's played up, up until the season. And he's probably carried that habit into Sunday, unfortunately. But I completely agree with you. I think more Rangers fans want to see him being that nuisance again and getting himself back in the box as a fox in the box. As in the... Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of plaudits on the back of the game for the Hibs defence, for, for Hanlon and Porteous mm. and, and, and Paul McGinn. But a lot of that, John, was down to Rangers being pretty punchless because they'd plenty of ball second half, didn't they? And they didn't really make great inroads at all. No, they never. They never came out. Um, I don't think they had any real belief that they could, you know, get that first goal in terms of get back to 3-2. And then 3-2, you know what it's like. And then all of a sudden, Hibs, you know, it becomes nervy for mm. them because Rangers are, are within the goal of, of, of getting uh, the equaliser. But there, there was never really, um, I use the words huffed and puffed. You know, they tried, um, but it just it just didn't seem as if, I thought they'd run out of ideas, run out of ideas at times. Um, Hibs were very good, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not yeah. forget, you know, Jack Ross, another semi-final um, and, and, and a victory this time, of course. They'll be delighted they're in the final. So, yeah, we talk about Rangers because they were the huge favourites to win the game, and it's gone wrong for them. But uh, I think you have to give credit as well to, uh, you know, to Jack Ross and the way that he set his team up, and of course Martin Boyle. I said at the at the top of the show that to score a hat trick, you know, in a semi final for your club is something that that you know the Hibs fans will absolutely love him for that, and that that's that's a special thing to do as a centre forward um, to to go and get a hat trick and take your team into the final. From his point of view, that's very special. What's uh, good to have you on the show in Welsh? Yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe's, uh, are you a Cardiff fan as well, Joe? Yeah, obviously, John, that's my local team, so I think I'll uh, see the show. Uh, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll stick to, we'll stick to Celtic Rangers for now. <laughs> we'll start talking about <laughs> Swansea Cardiff. That, that's for another <laughs> show, Joe, right? Yeah, let's stick to supporting Wales together, John. Absolutely, uh, mate. They're doing yeah, great, aren't they? Who do, who do you fancy in the playoff? I know Rob doesn't like talking about Wales a lot. Who do you fancy in the mm, playoff? Which is mate? understandable. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, be, in all honesty, I'll take anyone at home, John. I think we've got a chance, especially if um, yeah. Ramsey and if we can get Bale fit, even better. But I think I fancy us against any of the unseeded teams, to be honest, mate. Um, so do so, I. So, what, what's good to have you? Can you any chance of answering at this time? What's good to have you on the show in Welsh? Uh, Nice to call you, Arashau Heno. 
Right, that Joe. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Joel. Take care, Take Cheers. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go, 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 go. A bit better with your congestion gone from your west side of the motorway. On the M8 eastbound, you've still got 15 minute delays and queuing traffic between the M77 Merge and Charing Cross at Junction 18. Now, both sides of the road do have slow traffic with two lanes closed due to roadworks between Junction 14 for Fruit Market and Junction 18 for Charing Cross. If you are heading this way, just please be patient. On the Clydeside Expressway tonight, you're still looking busy heading east between Hydro and Anderson Cross. You've got queuing traffic on Maryhill Road in both directions at Tesco. Through and Renfrew, you have temporary traffic lights due to roadworks on Abbotsense Road between Arran Avenue and Greenock Road. And through and Crookston tonight, Levernside Road's closed in both directions. That's due to water mains work from Bradecraft Road to Southfield Crescent. This is causing a diversion to the number 49 first bus service, so please check your routes before you travel. Your public transport looks good apart from that, but that's your up to date. On go. Cheers, Chris. And that was him in the studio as well. Never know where the travel's going to come from geographically, uh, but he was with us there in the studio momentarily and the door is closed and he's away. Uh, but he will be back updating us again in about 15 or 20 minutes' time about all the traffic and travel. It's Glasgow's own go. The football show, uh, f- Monday to Friday, <laughs> 5 till 7, on at weekends as well, of course, covering all the major action for you we were on on Sunday for uh, Rangers losing to Hibs three goals uh, to one uh, it's Ross County against Hibs uh, a rearranged game tomorrow night in Dingwall uh, plenty of football for Hibs in addition to uh, a League Cup final in the next month or so um, they've got about three extra games mm-hmm. I think to play haven't they and they could certainly uh, be climbing the table crags well, there's nothing better to bring you back down to earth than a long journey up the A9 on a Wednesday. <laughs> you know it well. I absolutely know I'll be doing the journey tomorrow myself. Yeah. But listen, you know, they're feeling good about themselves after the weekend. I think Jack Ross will, um, I wouldn't say want to bring them back down to earth because I, I think you want to keep them flying high. Mm. You just want to make sure there's no complacency. They'll go there full of full of belief, no doubt about it. But Ross County will be quietly confident. You know, they had a really good result against Dundee. Uh, they missed the Hibs game, got to play against Rangers, lost four goals to two. So they will have worked hard and trained hard over the past few weeks. They'll be ready for a for a tough game. But when you look at the you know the attacking threat of Martin Boyle and Kevin Nisbet and Christian Dodge going back, I think is a big mm. bonus for them. Yeah. I just think he he brings the best out in players around about him, Rob. You know, particularly last season when Kevin Nisbet was getting was getting all the plaudits and getting the Scotland call up. Dodge was doing a lot of his hard work. He was backing in, winning his headers, fighting his corner, and we're just allowing Nisbet to go and be free and find those little bits of space. I think Dodge was attracting the attention. So it's good for Jack that he's back. You know, he's got a really good squad. Now, you look at the likes of jo- uh, Jake Doyle, Hayes, and Joe Newell. I thought they were excellent on Sunday. You know, the defenders are getting pl- plaudits and the, and the forward players fine, but they played such a disciplined role in the middle of the pitch. The one thing you don't want to do against the Rangers or a Celtic is leave the middle of the pitch open. You can't afford to get exposed and leave that. P- area open they hardly left that area and if one of them left Josh Campbell immediately became another midfield player beside them so really good balance Jack will hope to add to it I think they're nine points off third and fourth place which is Hearts and Dundee United joint, uh, third and fourth joint third on, and I think uh, Hearts above them in goal difference so three games in hand but they will want to start climbing the table and their aims will be of course to win the cup but to get themselves back challenging again for European football Champions League for tonight is already well underway. Uh, the game that we've got on in the studio is a Villarreal against Manchester United uh, with uh, Michael Carrick and Mike Phelan in charge in a caretaker capacity with uh, Ole Gunnar 
Solskjaer gone goalless it is uh, so far in Spain about 10 minutes away from half time one goal scorer already uh, tonight in the Champions League is uh, not a great surprise at all Bayern Munich's Robert Lewandowski of course John Hartson yeah. uh, a player that uh, Scotland or Wales might be coming up against in the playoffs mm. and the draw of course is on Friday yes and um, you maybe I don't know what Steve Clark is thinking but obviously um, he might take Poland Poland have not been brilliant um, no. but they've got one of the best centre forwards in the world so if you can avoid them maybe um, and then you've got others like the Czech Republic, like Scotland and Wales have faced, um, you know, within the last couple of years. Uh, and then they got the likes of Ukraine, North Macedonia. So there's teams in there that if you had the choice, you would probably maybe Ukraine for me, um, probably the weakest. Did he do the full list there, Craggs? Or was Shevchenko's the manager there still, isn't he? He was for the Euros last uh, it's reason, it's funny, it for was. some reason I think he's managing a club. I don't know why. I thought I read something. He, he was manager though for the Euros. Yeah, he was. It wasn't yeah, the Euros. Was. Was so, what's the, so what's the full six? That, Austria, that... North Macedonia, Turkey, Poland, Czech Republic and Ukraine. Right. And you think whoever got, if one of the two teams got Poland, you know, they will travel in big numbers fans-wise and they make some noise, they make some racket. So that could just spur them on. I just, when you're talking about Lewandowski's goal, I think it was an overhead kick. I just saw a picture on Twitter of him doing an overhead kick. Mm. So it must have been an overhead kick in the snow in Kiev. So he's a, a player that knows no boundaries. He's absolutely terrific. And sometimes one man can inspire the rest of the players. Uh, that's certainly what he does. Wales beat Turkey in the Euros 2-0. So they wouldn't mind facing them again. hope Grant Hanley's got a big pocket on those shorts that he can <laughs> stick Robert Lewandowski into it. Um, if it is Poland against Scotland in March. Um, watched uh, Norwich against Southampton at the weekend. It was a very interesting game from a Scotland point of view because Che Adams scored early on. Really good finish for Southampton keeping up his uh, goal scoring spree uh, Billy Gilmore was the man of the match mm -hmm. he was picked out in the match of the day analysis looked uh, really good and of course it was Grant Hanley who headed in uh, uh, Gilmore's corner kick to, yeah. to win it for Norwich at the weekend which is back to our point last week we spoke Steve Clark just wishes that the, the, that the semi-fire the playoffs were next month Rob because he's got so many players in form he's got a full squad to pick from the players are feeling good, but he has to wait four months for it to come around. So he will just hope that come March time, the players are still in their form, they're still playing well, they're still feeling good. Because a full Hamden Park and a, and a full-strength Scotland squad will fancy anyone in Hamden. Anyone in those six teams, they will fancy their chances to beat. There was a, that bizarre incident, wasn't there, at Tannadice at the weekend in the Dundee United against Aberdeen game. I don't want, don't want to get into uh, the matters which are becoming legal at the moment, of course. Um, after a man was charged uh, in connection with that incident. But uh, one uh, subject that it does bring to light is player security and player safety on the pitch uh, when it's possible for a, a supporter to, to get to a, a it can player. Happen though, Rob, yeah. they, you can't put 300 security guards around a, a football pitch. It can happen from any seat in any area. If you've got a supporter... That once they get on the pitch, he can get on the pitch. By hook or by crook, he can get on the pitch because you can't physically stop them. Um, what you can do is is ban them. Um, so is it wrong to punish clubs when a fan gets on that goes on the pitch then? Because that's generally yeah, what happens. It is, isn't it? in my opinion, it is yeah. because you can't stop it. Yeah. You know, as I said, you can't put three hundred staff around the pitch to like form like a circle, can you? It's physically impossible. You can have more, you can have more, but you can't block every single person's entrance onto the pitch. Yeah. 
if somebody wants to run on the pitch, look at Villarreal and Man United that we watch in now. Mm. Any one of them fans can run on the pitch at any time. And they can't be stopped. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to put trust in the fans that they can go. And yes, if they're not happy with opposing teams or their own team, yeah, they can vent their anger and frustration, but you cannot lay your hands no. on, a, on a player on the pitch. You know, and, and it's... And I don't want to have a go at Bobby Madden because he will have come under so much criticism over the past few days. First of all, I think I would like to think that if he had the chance to re-referee the game, re-referee that incident, he would do it differently. It, it was the assistant in his ear who, was get, who, gave, who, gave, who, gave, who gave the call. Yeah. What, what would he do differently? Not, not send not send him Ojo off. Yeah, but I still think well. I still think Bobby. I think the best thing would be go and speak to the player. What happened in the incident? Yeah. You know, because if he didn't see it clearly. Bobby clearly didn't see it because the referee didn't see assistant. it at all, no. So go and ask the question, what happened, what went on? Yeah. Explain your side, of your side of the situation and Bobby may have dealt with it differently. He's an experienced referee. Surely the job of a referee is to try and keep 22 players on the pitch and keep them safe yeah. when possible. And I just think, you know, if he could have went and asked the situation and had a three-way conversation, take four or five minutes if you have to. Take four or five minutes if you have to, Rob, but make sure you come to the right conclusion. And I understand there's laws, there's laws of the game and... You know, things are put in place, but ultimately, you know, a player being sent off for that. Actually, he done well to restrain himself. He did. You know, I, I think I think he's fair to go back and say, "Listen, what do you think you're doing? What are you doing, putting your hands on me?" He should have got a pat in the back rather you know than I mean? a second yellow card. Absolutely. It was more. It was more when you look at the incident. It was just shocking. You don't mm. see that. Mm. You very no. rarely see that. By yeah. the way, yeah. let's let's just say that mm. you very rarely see a yeah. fan actually raising his hands and pushing a player. Yeah. You know, almost leaning over the barrier, whatever. You know, yeah, he, he didn't. He barely did. In all fairness to the supporters yeah. around the world, or the, everybody, the supporters listening tonight for clubs, in generally, yeah. generally, yeah. they're, they're but, very, very well behaved. But, but, but he didn't. Yeah, it's, it's an isolated incident. Yeah. Hopefully, no. I no. But in, te in terms of the refereeing of it, my my information, my understanding is that it was the assistant it was in Bobby Madden's ear and said uh, that Ojo had had pushed the fan. Rather than rather than other way around, that's well, what and and, well, it and, and, be, it, and Bobby it should, Madden reacted it be to that totally instead rescinded. of instead of I'm fifty yards away and I'm actually not sure what I saw there. All I saw was a coming together. Yeah. Had that happened, there would have been no second yellow card, and we no. wouldn't be having this discussion. No. But then, if they don't rescind that second yellow, no, they're not rescinding. It, it can't it's be appealed. A, a yellow can't, can't be appealed. That's, that's just unbelievable. And I think sometimes the been sent off for nothing. I think sometimes there's special cases. This is a special case, mm. particularly if the information that Bobby Madden has received from the referee's assistant is wrong. Yeah. And that means it is, it's, it's yeah. a wrongful yellow card. Yeah. There's rules. Clear. There's but, rules, right? But there's got to be a little bit of common yeah. sense as yeah. well. But that's why then Bobby should have spoke to the referee's assistant, got his recollection of it, mm. went to the player and said, "What's your recollection? What actually happened? Yeah. I'm here and this happened." And instead he says, of no, being no, too trigger happy, instead of being sent, you're gone. Yeah, exactly. Take three, yeah. four minutes and get the right decision. I think people would have appreciated the patience and the time. And certainly, Ojo would have. You know, and I heard Stephen Glass after saying to one of the uh, one of the aftermatch interviews that he, he feels as if. Ojo let the team down. Mm. I thought, mm. no, you know, he shouldn't have been sent off the pitch. And you can understand this. Is that him suspended now for Celtic at the weekend? Well, he misses yeah. the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and also, it was, it was at the end of the first half at Sanadice. Aberdeen would have been 11 against 10 for yeah. 45 minutes, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, and probably wouldn't, wouldn't have lost the game and, and might have won it. Mm. Um, but I think, the, the, I think the Scottish FA are very uncomfortable about this situation. They're not happy about it. They're embarrassed about it. They would be, obviously. But what they can't do is suddenly introduce a new rule which says you can appeal a yellow card because how many yellow cards are, gonna, are they going to have 
being appealed every Monday morning. No, yeah, this, is, this is very rare. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be instances like this to deal with. No, no, I know that. But, Do you but, remember, there's, know. Certain, there's certain instances that Craig's have just alluded to. Mm. It's a special case. This Hopefully, this is a one-off. And they've got to they've got to bend the rules at some stage to let Ojo, you know, be rescinded that yellow card. So that's for that won't happen. And, that, I know. That won't, I know. Despite Aberdeen's representations yeah. which is, to, which to the is, authorities, which, which is, you can understand. It's embarrassing then, because yeah. you know that lad. Now he misses the game at the weekend. Aberdeen miss out because they went down to ten men, and it's just. I mean, would any other club or any other supporter, you know, kick up a fuss if that was overturned? No, you know, no. I understand your point. Suddenly, it opens a can of worms, mm-hmm. and then next week, Mother will want to appeal their right backs challenge. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he didn't think it was a foul. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, but that's he's a, not pushed yeah, by a fan. That's why I think it's different. That's why I think this is this is just bizarre yeah. incident. Because not yeah, only they lost the game, they've lost a player. You know, so they've suffered enough. Yeah. You know, they've had their punishment. They've had to deal with it wrongly. Um, these are the moments where you'd love the referees to come out and have a word. Mm. And just explain the situation and say, you know, we're wrong. We've done it. We made a mistake. We, we can't change it, and we are wholehearted. You know, that brings a little the bit of warmth to them. Would come, well, the referees would get so much credit and 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 so much sort of more backing for being sensible, yeah. showing common sense. Because mm. we all love to knock referees, don't we? The referees are bad. This, that, and the other. They they make poor decisions. But if this was a case of you know, the yellow card and, and the referees get together and the, the commission who runs mm. all the referee and um, everything else. If they were to rescind this, they'd go, common sense has prevailed the way it should be. Yeah. However, with referees, sorry, just on yellow and red cards, mm. they just have to tick a box. There's maybe 10 different incidents. And because he went back towards a supporter, mm-hmm. you know, not with any kind of aggression, but because he went towards a supporter, that would be leaving the field of play or... Re- I think it's leaving the field. He was off the field to play, but he came back and then gone back into the supporters. I can't remember the exact wording of it. But that would have constituted a yellow card. Mm. So that's why he's allowed to tick that box and sort of like... What would you have done, Craig, if, if, if you'd have been pushed like that by the fan? How would you would I, have reacted? I'd say you what, I, I think I wouldn't have grabbed it, but I certainly would have, you know, yeah. verbally had a had a word the exact Going same as... Unfortunately, yeah. there, there is no, no room... John. The, unfortunately, what you were talking about there, John, there is no room for common sense in the, in the rule book. No, it's not. You know, it's too strict I, I, yeah. and, and the, there's just no movement and, and that is the problem. And, and what we're talking about here is bad refereeing. Not by Bobby Madden, mm-hmm. You know, his team, only mistake was accepting team, as a team what, of four. They, what the official yeah. ha, had said had said to as him. As a team of four, and, they, and will, they will suffer. Because what they've done is what you don't want to see in a game. It's guessing a decision yep. from long range where you haven't actually seen it, but you've actually gone for it. You've told Bobby Madden, yep. he's taken these things. Because when that referee's assistant said to Bobby, I would imagine Bobby's first thing should have been, are you sure? Oh, the, the, the player pushed a fan, are you sure? Because if he has, I'm sending him off. If the answer comes back... Yes, he has pushed him. Then Bobby has to go and act because he has to take the trust off the official. However, at that moment, you call over Ojo and you say, what happened? I'm being told that you pushed a fan. No, actually, the fan pushed me. Right, now I've got a problem. I've got, you tell me this and you tell me that. I need to, spoke to speak to the fourth official yeah. and, and, and have a conversation and come to the conclusion that may even get the police to go and speak to the fan. What happened? Well, I, okay. Something, there had to be yeah. a better way of dealing with Definitely. it than just flashing a second yellow card and getting them off the pitch. Stephen Craigan and John Hartson talking football. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go! go, 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 go. Uh, 
um, demonstrated that show of support to Glenn Kamara um, after the Rangers player had suffered racial abuse. Uh, Scott Brown was Celtic captain at the time. Um, he approached Kamara prior to the Old Firm Derby match in March to offer solidarity after Kamara had been subjected to racial slurs by Slavia Prague's Andre Kudela uh, in a Europa League tie. Kudela was subsequently given a 10-game ban by UEFA on the back of that. And uh, that uh, show of support from Scott Brown has been commended and uh, he's been nominated, in fact, uh, in the 2021 FIFA Fair Play Awards Um Claudia Ranieri uh, is another nominee. Uh, I'm sure the award um, is going to go to Denmark, their players and their medical staff who responded mm-hmm. to the collapse of Christian Eriksen during uh, the Euros in the summer after his cardiac arrest, uh, which will, I guess, for all of us who witnessed that, will never be forgotten. Um, it was uh, it was pretty special, wasn't it, the, the response mm-hmm. to that. But uh, terrific that that... that, that uh, what Scott Brown did uh, has been uh, commended Crags as well. It's brilliant because so often the game here in Scotland gets kicked up and down the place and the uh, and, and the standard and everybody has criticism about it. It's nice to see that Scott Brown has been mentioned, Scottish football is getting the mention, that uh, it's, it sends out a really strong message that yes, the old firm are rivals at certain times, but when the big talking points come along, we need a little bit of solidarity. It's nice to see that the captain of Celtic went over and showed his support to Glenn Kaman. I just think, it, it, you know, for against racism, it's huge. I mean, it's a, it's a battle that will go on for years to come, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But certainly, you know, the, the maturity of Scott Brown to go over and shake hands with Glenn Kamara. I think it was appreciated by Kamara. Yeah. And it's good to see that we're talking about Scottish football in a good light. I'm just looking at the picture again of, of the two of them. Uh, it was brief, but it was so significant, arm in arm, looking into each other's eyes yeah. uh, before that match. It was a special moment, John, wasn't it? It was a very special moment. And Scott Brown showing his leadership, his leadership quality. Now, Scott, uh, as we all know him, he'll go toe-to-toe with most people on, on, on the football pitch. When there's a battle, he's right in the middle of it. But this is a different side to him. What he did here, he showed humility, humbleness, um, respect. And for me, it was a fantastic touch. And I think it touched a lot of people in Scotland. Mm. It showed a different side to Scott. You know, the Rangers fans, you know, shouting and hollering at him and probably love him in their team. Mm. You know, that's, that's, what yeah. you, that's what you expect when you're yeah. the top player and you're hurting the opposition uh, like he used to. But uh, no, a wonderful moment. And um, do you, I didn't expect anything else from a man like no, Scott. No. That's the type of character he, yeah. he is. But I think the beauty of it all would have been from Glenn Kamara's side as well, is that before the game, they're doing the handshake and absolutely full of respect. But the minute the whistle goes, their game mm-hmm. heads go on. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the beauty of it that shows that rivalry only lasts for 90 minutes. Mm, that's the way it but, should be. But out with the 90 minutes then, up total respect for each other. Glenn Kamara for Scott Brown, Scott Brown for Glenn Kamara. So a very important moment. Yeah, and some things are much more important than a football match. Um, And great that it's been uh, recognised. Just some uh, quotes emerging as we come towards the end of the show from uh, Hibs head coach Jack Ross. He says he's disappointed that the SPFL has no appetite, his words, to listen to common sense. We've been speaking about common sense uh, among the authorities already. Uh, But his concerns, Jack Ross, are over a packed fixture schedule. We've touched on that already in December. Hibs and Celtic will each play nine matches next month um, after uh, League Cup final weekend fixtures were rearranged for the following 
midweek, uh, remarking on peculiar governance, as Jack Ross put it. Uh, he said, when I mentioned it, they just chucked in another game. I don't know what would happen if I asked them again. He says, I think it was a, a fairly common sense thing to say, not just for me, but Celtic as well, because I know that they've got an equally busy schedule with their European involvement allied to that, uh, Davy Martindale, the Livingston manager, had spoken publicly about it and another manager has privately said to me about the number of games they've got. So there's a knock-on effect around the league and it's just not just about complaining and moaning. There is scientific support to say that the number of games some of the clubs are being asked to play in such a short period of time is not great. So the, the euphoria for a moment about reaching the League Cup final has vanished and it's back to reality um, and a fair old uh, fixture backlog coming up there in the next month. I think the biggest fear, I'm trying to read between the lines, from the SPFL is if there's any more COVID outbreaks at football clubs, Rob, you can end up losing two or three weeks of games. So if they knock it back to January or February and then they have a COVID outbreak in January or February, then they're playing catch-up as they go on and then they run out of dates to put games in I can only imagine that's the the mindset of the SPFL that when they can get games on or when they can fit them in they want to get them played as soon as possible they are Jack's right they're absolutely not taking uh, the, the player welfare into consideration they're just thinking about fixture lists and congestion and getting them done what but they players do have then, to come what they got to do they got, the, they got to try and spread it out so they'll play five well Jack would like that and then another four, another five in March, April, you know. So, but they've got to get these games in, yeah, because they can't extend the season. No, especially so, because it, of well, what, what he's trying yeah. to say is basically if you can, you know, balance the games out over a, a longer period, but get lesser games. If you yeah. know what I mean. But what I'm saying is the point is if they then have another COVID outbreak in January or February when they've through, put these games forward to then then suddenly they think, oh, we've got a problem, we can't play them. We're losing another midweek date or two midweek dates. I'm not sure they're thinking you know, about COVID. But, but surely, but they sure. are, John, that, that's, that's the reason they're doing it. Yeah. They want the games played ASAP. Because they can't they can't put games they back put games. because the worry is that you're going to have other issues coming up then at that point. But I, would, I was just thinking, maybe it's perfectly balanced. They've each got, Celtic and Hibs have each got nine games nine in games. December. So that may sound like a lot, and it is a lot, but it's the same for yeah, both ja of them. But what Jack will think that'll be, by the way. Yeah, but Jack can't play football because of COVID. Yeah, but what Jack a blow that'll be for the season. Everybody, Scotland, of course, all over the country. Yeah, we don't want to go back there. That's no. for sure. And um, Jack Ross was also uh, complaining. <laughs> he was just pressing the complain button today, I think. But he says he's baffled by the decision to allocate him seventeen and a half thousand uh, tickets for that nineteenth of December final against. Celtic uh, he said naturally you want as many of your own supporters in the stadium for a cup final and also historically we've taken massive crowds to cup finals in recent times the counter argument is that is that in the semi the semi-final attendance Hibs had around 10,000 at saying here I didn't think it was as many as that but he's saying Hibs had around 10,000 at the semi-final win against Rangers um, I find that a really strange thing to take into account because the League Cup has never been one that attracted big crowds in semi-finals it's baffling that we don't get the opportunity to take that allocation and Hamden never looks like a difficult stadium to segregate I find it quite astonishing but it's about using it as a positive to galvanise us what, what do you make about that 17,500 yeah. tickets for Hibs? Um, I mean, it's more than what they get at their home games. You know, yep. they, you know, what are they getting? 16,000? It's more than what the season yeah, ticket holders are. It's a cup final, Craig. It's a cup final. You can't compare yeah. that to a league game. Well, it's, 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 well, a, it's a showpiece so, for Hibs. So yeah, are you quite happy for Celtic to give up and Celtic to go 23,000? 20, Absolutely. Half half that's the fair way. Yeah. That's the only yeah. fair way is to split the crowd. It's a cup final. You cannot be um, disloyal 
to a certain club. If Hibs can guarantee, you know, the Hamden and the Ticketmaster and all these sponsors that they can sell 22,000 tickets. Well, Hibs could just Hamden. buy the tickets, couldn't they? Well, could Hibs not just Celtic, buy? We know Celtic will guarantee selling their half. What, what, I don't even think Celtic would want an advantage with the crowd. So, so if Hibs, if Hibs, <laughs> of course they would. So oh, they would. Celtic wouldn't want an advantage. No, but what, why would they want an advantage? The Celtic but, football club, know, they're better yeah, players. But yeah, but they want more of their fans in. Why would they want that? You're trying to tell me that you, Celtic wouldn't want more supporters in than Hibs supporters. They would be quite happy to go 50-50. No, 50, but 50. if it's balanced, if it's balanced by, if it's balanced mm. by the Scottish FA... That the, the, SPFL. The, the SPFL mm. that the crowd is split. That's mm. the only I can only see that the only fair way. Well, yeah. why yeah. would you? Why well, would, and, well, and it's if it is going to be, you're right, Rob. You're, the point being, then Hibs going and say, well, let's we'll we'll guarantee twenty four thousand yeah. tickets. We'll pay for the twenty four thousand tickets. Yeah. If we only sell fifteen thousand, then we have to pay. We have to cover the cost of the extra nine. Yeah, or, it doesn't or, happen or, anywhere or, else, though, Rob. All over the country, this wouldn't happen. If it was a cup final at Wembley and it was Arsenal and Liverpool oh. and it's 88,000 there, they get 44,000 each. Why does it only happen? Because you think that Hibs are a huge club. Mm. Because they want the guarantee that it's a sellout. They want the guarantee that the cup final is a sellout. I'll guarantee that now. Hibs will take 20-odd thousand if they're given that amount of tickets. Should, should, it, should it be connected to the semi-final? Should it have a link to well, how many fans you bring to the semi-final? Yeah. Well, that's a hard one because... Uh, you know, team financially, it, it can be a cost. You know, a, a cup final, I think, is different than a semi-final because it's a big day out and everybody wants to go. Mm -hmm. But I just think we have to have a, a cup final sold out. I mean, Hibs done it a couple of years ago in the semi-final. They, they wanted a 50-50 split and they played Celtic and, and, and Hibs Hem was, was half empty. What I'm saying is, it didn't is look Christ, good on TV. If it was told it's a 50-50 split, Celtic could only have a certain amount of fans because they know that Hibs... Uh, should and have the same amount of fans that's the only fair way then I don't think there'd be any, many complaints from Celtic no. no but if they had the advantage of a ticket OK let's point the way ahead to Thursday in the last minute or so we've got on the show um, can Rangers um, bounce back Crags from what happened Sunday they have to there's absolutely th this is when the Rangers players will learn about the character of their players this is where Giovanni Van Pronkhurst will learn about the character of his individuals and the strength of their mentality. When it's a game they have to win, they're on the back foot, they're under pressure, they're taking flack from all angles. Eyes will be on Connor Goldson, eyes will be on James Tavernier if he plays, eyes will be on Alfredo Morelos if he plays. Do they have the character to bounce back and win a big game that means something and get their fans back on side? If they can do and they can do it by two goals, Europe, uh, Europa League after Christmas, that would certainly be the way to bounce back. What about Celtic? What can they do, John? You're off to Germany in the morning uh, for a Celtic's game against Leverkusen. Yeah. It was 4-0, of course, yeah. to the German team at Celtic Park. And uh, I guess Celtic looking to show the progress they've made since then. Absolutely, just keep going. One thing Celtic won't do is they, they won't camp out and defend all night. They, they won't just sit back and soak everything up and try and defend and keep a clean sheet. They won't do that. They'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Bayer Leverkusen. They'll come out the traps, they'll go forward, they'll have one thing on their mind, and that's can we score? Can we get forward? Can, can, can Jota, and whether it's Forrest or Abada, can they supply for Kyogo? They won't sit back. It's not Ange's way, even against Bayer Leverkusen, who yeah. topped the group away from home. You know that Selig are going to have a positive mindset going into that game. Whether or not they can do it, whether they can pull off a draw, which would be a wonderful result because it opens everything up then yeah. for the game six, the home game against uh, Real Betis. Um, obviously, 
I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to be giving my uh, my thoughts on the on the radio. So very much looking forward to it. It's always Safe great. travels, John. Thank you, Rob. All the best. Craig has got the hoodie on. That means uh, we have reached the end of the show. I'm back tomorrow night with uh, Barry Ferguson and Davey Proven live at five. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot all under one roof ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK with Taxi Trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees they even throw in registration and 12 months road tax so if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi where would you go the taxicenter.com trade only